Well, good morning, church. I'm Pastor AJ. Good to see you guys. Um, before we dive into our teaching today, uh, I have a couple announcements I want to share with you. First of all, if it's your first time here today, we are so excited that you're joining us. Welcome. Um, and if you notice one of these in front of you, uh, thanks for visiting card. We would love for you to fill it out at some point and just drop it off in the back or give it to one of our greeters. We would love to get to know a little bit more about you, maybe include you in our mailing list so you can know about things that are happening here at First Light South Portland Church. Two other quick announcements, though. If you are a student here today or the parent of a student, middle school, high school, uh, young adult, college age, um, I want to let you know we are relaunching our Fuse student ministry tonight at 430 and as much as I can possibly kind of share with you, you don't want to miss it. It is going to be amazing. Um, the series we're going to be covering, if those of you who know my background, you know I, I did uh, my graduate work in clinical counseling. Um, we're doing a series called Your New Playlist, which is based on a book by John Acuff, who he wrote with his teenage daughters. And it's all about changing the stinking thinking that can sometimes control our brains and lead us down a path towards anxiety, depression, all those kinds of things. And how do we replace that with the truth of God? It is one of those life-changing potential teachings, especially for students. It's skills that they can learn early in their life that is going to set them on a stage um, to some greater things. And so I want to encourage you, if you've got a middle school student, high school student, young adult in your life, and you need to bribe them to drive them here at 4.30 today, I would find a way to do that because it could be life-changing for them. Second thing I want to share with you guys is our children's ministry team. We met um, like right before Christmas, and we got some exciting news. Um, I told you guys back in the fall when the Lewiston shooting went down and all that kind of stuff went down, we were involved with a trunk or treat um, partnering with the South Portland Police Department. Some of you guys might remember that. And they canceled it, then they reopened it again after you know they, the thing was resolved in Lewiston. Um, and we had lots of kids come out there, hundreds of kids who came out there, and parents were really thankful. We were like the only church in the community that participated, and we had about half the cars at the trunk or treat there. And so I think that you know, God really used our church community as a blessing to this community. Um, we got a call and a visit to our children's council meeting. The South Portland Police Department wants to know if we're willing to partner with them to be able to do a community Easter egg hunt this year. Now, Easter is two months away. That's kind of scary, isn't it? It's actually in March this year. It's March 31st. So they're looking to do an Easter egg hunt on March 30th over at South Portland High School with us kind of taking leadership of it um, and they're expecting 500 to 1,000 kids to participate in this Easter egg hunt. So that is awesome and terrifying at the same time. Amen? So he here's what I need from you guys. Number one, if you're willing to be a volunteer and clear that day in your calendar, Saturday, March 30th, I would love for you to talk to Rebecca Darling. Rebecca Darling, can you wave your hand? I'll put you on the spot right now. She's part of our Children's Council. Please talk to her, and she will get your name and your contact information and bring you part of the team. The other thing is, to be able to buy enough eggs and stuff them and do all those kinds of things, it's going to require some budgetary stuff that we did not prepare for in children's ministry for the upcoming year. So if you're willing to make a children's ministry donation as an offering above and beyond your normal giving, we would really appreciate that. 
And you can do that anytime over the next two months. Just write children's ministry in the memo and put that in there, and you are going to help us to be able to organize this Easter egg hunt on Saturday, March 30th. You think you guys could help in those kinds of ways? Awesome. Praise God. Thank you. And I think that's awesome that our community is reaching out to us. You know what that means? It means we're actually making an impact outside the walls of this building, and that's really what we believe the church should do. Amen? All right. Well, welcome to First Light South Portland Church. Today we're in part three of our new series for the new year, talking about next steps in faith called My Resolution. And if you, you missed the last couple weeks, that's okay. I'm going to give you a quick recap right now. We kicked off this series two weeks ago saying that New Year's is often the time for self-evaluation. And, and that's not a bad thing to stop and to like reevaluate our lives, to think about what we're eating, to think about how we're spending our money, all those kinds of things. But basically... This month, the question that we just wind up asking ourselves, just because, you know, the culture we live in and the season that it is, is this question right here. What should I do about me? What should I do about me? How do I make me a better version of me? How do I get slimmer? How do I get stronger? How do I get smarter? How do I get out of debt? And again, all those things, good things. Good things. But in this series, our goal has been to try to focus your attention on a bigger, and we think, a better question. And that question is this. What could God do through me? What could God do through me? Because here's the truth. If you really want to become a better person this year, then why not do something to make the world or someone's world, a better place. And then we ended in week one with me asking you guys to kind of sit with and meditate and maybe pray on this big question here. What breaks your heart? What breaks your heart? And I asked, would God call you to maybe start to take some next steps in your walk and maybe even consider partnering with us and the ministries of this church? Because again, knowing what breaks your heart and choosing to do something about it, we think that's truly an amazing New Year's resolution. That's how you set yourself up to wake up a year from now and look back on the most incredible year of life that you've ever had. And then last week, we kind of hyper-focused in on a really, really big next step for folks in their walk with Jesus, and we talked about baptism. And we said that we believe that baptism is a pretty big deal around here at First Light Church. It's actually one of the main reasons why we exist as a church. Like, it is right up there almost with a person making a decision of faith in Jesus because baptism, again, it's, it's about life change. And it's about being obedient and taking a big next step with God. And at the end of the month, on January 28th, we're going to have a baptism Sunday. And so we just wanted to make sure that, that all of us were kind of on the same page when it comes to this topic of baptism. And if you missed that snow day message, because we had a snow day last Sunday, you can jump on our First Light South Portland Church YouTube page and you can check out that message. But ultimately we said that if you're a part of this church and you consider yourself to be a follower of Jesus, you've made that step, that decision of faith, but you have yet to be baptized, 
that we think you should take that step. That was basically the bottom line last week. Now, today we're continuing in part three of this My Resolution series. And some of you, you know, at this point might be feeling a little bit guilty hearing the title of the series again because you've already abandoned your New Year's resolution, right? It's been like less than two full weeks and you've already bailed. You had a box of donuts this morning. You quit Planet Fitness after your first encounter with a treadmill. And look, I get it, all right? Change, change can be tough. Just a side note, I, I guess Jesus never really had to make New Year's resolutions, did he? He was like the perfect son of God, God in a bod. He probably, you know, every New Year's looked in the mirror and said, keep doing what you're doing, buddy. Like That was probably pretty easy for him, okay? For us, not so easy. As I said earlier, this is a season, especially in our American culture, this is a season of self-improvement. And again, self-improvement is basically asking this question, what should I do about me? What should I do about me? How do I make myself better? And what we discovered a couple weeks ago, and we're going to keep talking about today, and really we're going to keep talking for the rest of this series, is that as important as that question is, and I do hope many of us lose weight. I, I really do. A lot of us need to. No offense. I include myself in that group. I hope we eat better. I hope we live long and, and healthy lives. I'm all for that. I want that for all of you. I want all of us out of debt and be able to have generous hearts for God. But while all that is great, there's a bigger and even better question for us to ask. In fact, it's a question that if you've ever had anybody do anything for you, like when you were in need, it's because somebody asked that question. We've all benefited from the fact that someone somewhere along the way asked this question and then they got outside of the realm of just a personal New Year's resolution for themselves as it related to them. And they asked instead a question like this, what needs to be done around me? What needs to be done around me? Not simply what needs to be done in me, but as they looked at their family, their school that they went to, their job, their community, as they looked around their city, perhaps even as they looked around the world, they asked, what needs to be done around me? So again, in week one, we looked at that incredible true Bible story about a guy who, whose name was Nehemiah. And in that story, Nehemiah got some troubling information about the city of Jerusalem and the walls of Jerusalem, and it broke his heart. And so that was the question we ended with back in week one. We said, what breaks your heart? What breaks your heart? As you look around your church and you see some needs, as you look around your community and you see lots of needs, as you look around the world, there's so many needs. And you can't meet every need. And you can't meet every single person's need. And maybe alone, you know, you probably can't change the world. Maybe, but alone it might be hard. But you can change somebody's world. So as you think about all the needs, whatever it might be, what is that thing that's just pulling, just tugging at your heart? And you think somebody needs to do something about that. Something needs to be done about that. What breaks your heart? And in week one, I told you guys that my heart was broken over the fact that there are people in this world who are disconnected from an incredible God who loves them and has a wonderful plan for their life. And some of them even grew up in church. For those of you who know my story, I didn't grow up in church. I, I was a little Hindu Indian kid. My parents immigrated to the United States from India. I was the first in my family born here. 
And so for me, you know, it was a friend who invited me to church and connected me to church. And it was like, wow, you know, I was in middle school and high school when I started learning about Jesus and stuff like that. But it broke my heart that there were, there were many kids who just grow up in church and then they walk away from it. You know, they, they might be a child attending church. They might pray a prayer to become a Christian and then for the next 10 to 15 years, they learn to hate church. And when they have an opportunity where they don't have to go anymore and mom and dad doesn't make them go anymore, they're like, good, I'm never going back because I hated that place. And that broke my heart. And so I decided that God was calling me as a pastor to try to create a place, to create a church community where we could invite our non-Christian friends who we love family who we love and who God loves to come and connect with Jesus. A place where children would wake up on a Sunday morning and want to drag their parents to come to church. A place where middle school students and high school students and college students would actually want to go and feel loved and feel embraced and accepted at. And I know I can't do it alone, okay? I am a nerdy, awkward, introvert by nature. Connecting relationally with people is really out of my comfort zone personality-wise. It's hard for me. But God broke my heart about this, and I'm desperate to see it happen. I dream about it. I literally have dreams about it. And my prayer is that God will create a passion like that in the hearts of others who would be willing to come alongside me and partner with our church and be strong in areas where I'm weak to make this dream, which I believe is a God-given dream, a reality. And so welcome to First Light South Portland Church because this is what we're about. And every time a person here makes a decision of faith, every time a person takes a next step and decides that they're going to get baptized, and there's a sign-up sheet in the back, by the way, or you can sign up online, every time a preschooler at our lighthouse daycare comes to this altar and prays at a Friday chapel. Every time a child at Lighthouse Kids, which meets you know down the hall, which is meeting right now in our north wing, learns a spiritual truth in a fun and memorable way, and they're excited to tell their parents about it. Or life change happens in one of our middle school or high school students or college-age students at Fuse Student Ministry. My heart wants to do backflips and cartwheels. Every time... One of you decides to bring a friend to church or somebody who you care about to church and you tell me, hey, pastor, they actually had a good time. They, they said they didn't know church could actually be fun like that. Every time our clothing closet ministry team you know, or our ministry at the nursing home gives somebody a Bible or prays with somebody and makes them feel loved, I know that I know that I know that I'm being obedient to something important that God put on my heart. So I ask you again, what breaks your heart? What breaks your heart? And I know you got to love your kids, and I know you got to take care of your spouse and your grandkids, but outside of the realm of family, outside of the realm of making a living and keeping food on the table because we all got to eat and have a roof over our heads, I get that. Is there something that you want to do something about to make a difference in this world? Now, that's a profound question, isn't it? Now, the problem with this whole what breaks your heart question, the problem with it is this. 
The problem is to do something about it will actually require something of you. To do something about it will actually require something of you. And see, we want to think, well, I don't have the time. I'm just one person. What can I do? And we have all these excuses in part because the truth is, at the end of the day, we know that if we decide to move, even in a small way in the direction of what breaks your heart, it's going to require something of us. It's going to require some time. It's probably going to require some money. It's going to require some missed opportunity in some other potential area of life. It's going to cost you something. And the problem with it costing us some life is that by nature, we are all these lifesavers, okay? By nature, we're lifesavers. I'm a lifesaver. I don't want to give my life away. I don't want to risk my life. I want to do everything I possibly can to preserve my life and my time and my money. By nature, I'm a lifesaver. By nature, you're a lifesaver. And the problem with the question of what breaks my heart is at some point, if I want to do something about it, it means I have to let go of some of this. I have to release it, and I have to let it go. So I'm going to do that right now. Lexi, you want to come up here? I'm going to give this to you. You can open it up and pass it around the room today if you want to, and we can pass those out, okay? We're going to give those away. If any of you, you know, need a breath mint this morning, there you go. Not that I'm making any suggestions, okay? But we have to be able to say, my time, my money, my reputation, my life, I have to release some of it. So that's a tension, isn't it? Some of you are married to somebody who's a little bit more of an activist than you are. And so they're getting really excited about what we're talking about in this series, and you're terrified right now, and you want to skip this entire series. You're like, honey, you already invested in a lot of things. Let's go someplace warm for the month. I'll take you on vacation, and we can come back when this series is done. I know how some of you think. Some of us are more geared this way than others. But either way, if you decide to lean in the direction of what breaks your heart, whether it's families in poverty, whether it's people recovering from addictions, whether it's suffering children, or whether it's like me, people who just need to hear the good news that there's a God who made them and who loves them. When you find out what it is and you decide to get involved, it's going to cost you. And you're going to feel like you're giving part of your life away. And as we wrestle with that tension, and it's a tension that everybody should wrestle with, but as we wrestle with that tension, Jesus comes along and he says this. He says, whoever devotes themselves to themselves will have nothing in the end but themselves. Whoever devotes themselves to themselves will have nothing in the end but themselves. Now, that's really a summary of it. We're going to look at the whole passage in a minute. But he says, whoever devotes themselves to themselves, I can't afford to really give this away, can't afford to help with that. I got to focus on me. It's all about me and mine. Whoever devotes themselves to themselves, Jesus says at the end, will have nothing but themselves. And at the end of your life, Jesus says, it's going to be a total loss for you. 
that in your desperate attempt to be a lifesaver and preserve your life, you will actually wind up losing your life with nothing to show for it. So let's unpack this. One day, Jesus is walking along, and he gets surrounded by a crowd of people, which often happened to him. He drew crowds of people wherever he went. And so Jesus is surrounded by people, smelly people, sick people, people with sores on their body, people who are coughing and hacking. And what, did you, what do you think, potentially, that these people wanted to do when they got close to, to Jesus? What do you think they wanted to do? It begins with the letter T. They wanted to what? Touch him. That's right. Because they knew that he had done miracles. They had heard about it. And they would hope that he would stop and maybe talk to them and heal them. So picture this. I kind of envision it like an episode of The Walking Dead or The Last of Us. I, I told you I read the Bible a little bit different, some people. But you have these smelly, sick people reaching out like zombies, trying to touch him everywhere he goes. This is Jesus' life. Can't escape the crowds. I think this is probably why he spent a lot of time around the Sea of Galilee, because one of the ways he could escape was he could get into a boat and push out in the water and at least get a little bit of a break from the crowds of people. So large crowd following Jesus, and he kind of turns to them, and he says this. You ready for it? He says this in Luke 14, 26. If you want to follow along in your Bibles, we'll, we'll put it up on the screens too. He said, if anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. Say what, Jesus? So much for family relationships, right? Okay, Jesus, New Year's resolution, I'm going to hate my family. Some of you are like, that's easy. I'm going to call my mother-in-law right after church, and I'm going to tell her off. Time out. Hold up for a second. Jesus is not talking about hate the emotion. In fact, there are other parts in the New Testament where his followers are very clear, and they say, if you hate someone, you can't be a follower of Jesus. He's not talking about the emotion. He's talking about the willingness to allow God to be at the number one position of your life, the number one place, the number one decision-making spot in one's life, even above family, even above oneself. He's talking about who's going to be in control of your life, who's going to call the shots in your life. Because to be someone's disciple, to be someone's follower, means you declare that they're your leader. To be someone's disciple is to literally say, I am choosing to follow you. So Jesus says to the crowd, who's going to call the shots? If you want to be my disciple, who's going to call the shots and be first in your life? Jesus says, are you really willing to submit your life fully to me and to make me first? And in this moment, those of us who love New Year's resolutions that are all about us, and again, I'm not against them. I hope you lose weight and get out of debt. But suddenly, Jesus points us to this daunting and intimidating tension. And he, he essentially says this. He says, following Jesus is about self-denial, not just self-improvement. Following Jesus is about self-denial, not just self-improvement. And then he kind of says this. And... And first of all, this, this is hard for me. I just want you to know, if it's hard for you, I'm, I'm with you on that. This is hard because our culture is driven to some extent 
by the idea of self-improvement. But Jesus says, I'm not against self-improvement any more than I'm against your father or your mother or your children or your spouse. I'm not against any of those people or those relationships, but you've got to decide once and for all, if you're going to be my follower, who's first place in your life? And you can't follow me and decide that mommy and daddy are going to call the shots for you for the rest of your life. In in week uh, two in this series, we talked about baptism. In two weeks, we're having our baptism service. And church, over the years, I have seen people afraid to get baptized because of what mama might say. Terrified to get baptized because of how their parents would react. And I'm not talking about children. I mean, if you're a child, if you're a student here, your parents should be part of the conversation if you're thinking about baptism. We encourage you to talk with them and include them and make them part of that conversation. But I've seen grown adults, I've seen like dudes in their 40s, afraid to get baptized and be obedient to God because they're worried about what their parent will say or think. Who's going to be first in your life? Who's going to be first in your life? You can't say, hey, I'm a follower of Jesus and then have somebody else ultimately make all the key decisions in your life, even if that person is you. So at the end of the day, Jesus says to this crowd, hey, I'm all for self-improvement, but following me is really more about self-denial and putting God first than self-improvement. And then he lays it on them thick, and he says this in verse 27, and he said, and whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. And at this point, the what's in it for me people left. They're like, oh, there's NFL playoffs on today. Jesus, I'm going to go check that out. Might have left something on the stove this morning. And the crowd thinned out. Now, here's the thing. This whole passage sounds a bit like a downer, right? In fact, when you read the Gospels and you get to these kinds of verses, it's like, whoa, Jesus, can we talk about prayer instead? Can you tell me how to get my prayers answered by God? I'd like to know that verse right there. I don't like all this die and take up your cross and follow me and all that kind of stuff. But what Jesus was saying in this passage, he was saying, I have something so much better for you in your life than you could ever imagine. I have an incredible story for your life that would blow your flipping mind, but you are never going to be able to say yes to my better offer and my better story for you until you can start saying no to you. It isn't about self-improvement, it's about self-denial. And it's not so much about focusing on you, it's about becoming a better person because you've shifted the focus off of you and onto someone else. He said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. But then he goes even further, he goes right to the heart of our struggle, and this is the verse I was talking about earlier, it's found in Luke it's found in Luke 9, verse 24. He says this, for who, whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. Whoever wants to save their life, of course I want to save my life, Jesus. I spend a lot of time, money, and energy trying to keep healthy and trying to keep myself alive. And Jesus isn't against that. But he said, whoever wants to save their life, and here's what he means, whoever lives Every single day, and their ultimate priority is themselves 
and selfishness and protecting themselves and their family and anxiety about all of that, and it's really all about me. I just got to do everything I can do to preserve me and keep myself safe. He says, if that's your approach to life, ultimately, you're going to lose out. The very thing you're going to spend your whole life being anxious about and trying to protect, you're going to lose. But then he gives an incredible, incredible invitation. He said, but whoever loses their life for me, whoever is willing to say, Jesus, the answer is yes. Whatever you want from me, whatever you want of my life, whatever you want from my family, Jesus, the answer is your way, not my way. Jesus, you're going to be number one in my life over my parents, over my kids, over my spouse, and yes, even over myself and all my control issues. He says, whoever loses their life for me will save it. But this is a decision. It's a resolution. And it's not something that just happens by accident. See, here's the bottom line today. Here's, here's what we struggle with. And, and these are maybe new words to something you've wrestled with for a while. But here's kind of our bottom line. As long as I'm so focused on me, I can't be about anything else. As long as I'm so focused on me, I can't be about anything else. As long as I'm looking at me, I can never say yes to things that are outside of me. And if you decide to wrestle with this question for real, what breaks your heart, you are going to ultimately be led away from selfishness and from you. And it's not all about self-improvement. It becomes about self-denial. And so Jesus says, I'm inviting you into that because I'm offering to rescue you from the story of just you. Because left to yourself and left to myself, we will just live for ourselves. But Jesus says, if you live for yourself at the end of your life, you're going to lose it and you're going to have nothing to show for it. And you don't want that. And I don't want that. You don't want to be somebody in your 50s or 60s or 80s or 90s and everything's insured, everything's buttoned up, everything's shiny, everybody looks at you, some people envy you, but at the end of the day, you're still a miserable, miserable person. Why? Because you're not enough for you to live for. God has a bigger and a better story waiting for you. You are not enough for you to live for. There is more to you than self-protection and self-improvement. There's more potential in you than just getting closer to your ideal weight so you can fit in the same jeans that you wore in college. I mean, who cares? I mean, that's great, okay? But there's more to you than that, isn't there? Don't you realize there's so much more to you than that? Don't you know that God has way bigger dreams and way bigger plans for your life? And the amazing news from Jesus is that you've been invited out of the smaller story of you and into the bigger story of God. That's why I love being a Christian. That's why I, I don't even understand why everybody wouldn't want to be a Christian. In fact, even if you don't believe in God or you're not sure what you believe about God, I don't know why you still wouldn't be willing to at least research and read about the things that Jesus wrote about because he's incredibly wise. 
even if you're not a, a, a person who maybe believes in God, like you should consider following stuff that Jesus says because he offers an invitation to significance. This is really an invitation to step outside of yourself into something greater. This is an invitation to make sure that at the end of your life, there's gonna be someone who says, maybe several people who say, thank you. Because if it wasn't for you, this wouldn't have happened in my life. I am so thankful to God that you were alive and that you were created and that you were on this earth. Because if it wasn't for your sacrifice, if it wasn't for your self-denial, if it wasn't for your generosity, if it wasn't for the time you invested in me, if it wasn't for the fact that you took some of the passion that you had in your heart and you directed it towards a need that I had in my life, I wouldn't be where I am today. I thank God for you. And in so many words, this is Jesus' invitation to his audience and to us to live a life of purpose. Now, when I was younger, I thought, I don't really need a life of purpose. I just want a nice car, a lot of money, and a really pretty girlfriend that makes me look better than I am. And if I have all those things, I'm be happy. I don't care about purpose. Here's what I've discovered as I've gotten older. And here's what every single person at some point in your life as you get older, you're gonna discover. That when you get stuff, no matter how successful you are, no matter what college you graduated from, what company you got a job at, what you did, what you own, no matter where you end up, at some point in your life, at some point along the way, everybody's gonna ask a question. And it has different words, it comes in different forms, but basically the question is this, does any of this really matter? Does anything I've done in my life, anything I've gained, all this stuff I have, does any of this really matter? Is this going anywhere? And the answer to that question, if it's all about you, no, it doesn't matter. It's been a waste. And Jesus, your creator, your savior, knew that. And he knew that no matter what you do, at some point, you're going to look in a mirror and you're going to think, does it matter? Is there a purpose to life? Is there a purpose to any of this? And to that, Jesus says, yes, there is. But it's not found in self-improvement and self-protection. Because you can be the most self-improved person on the planet and you can be dead inside. You can be empty inside. But you cannot give yourself away and feel empty, which doesn't seem to make any logical sense, right? And yet it's true. Because it seems like if I fill myself up with me and take care of me, I'm gonna be full. But Jesus said, no, that's the problem. That's the tension. Because if you focus on you, you're gonna be left empty. But if you empty yourself, you're going to feel full. Why? Because I created you for a purpose. I created you on purpose, with a purpose, for a purpose in this life. I created you to do something much, much more than just take care of you. You are not enough 
for you to give all your life to. And here's the thing, and we're, we're going to wrap up in one second, I promise. But listen, don't miss this. I know there's tension around this. I know it. This is why I would rather join a gym or try to eat less or get rid of soda and sugar for a month. It's easier. I can control all of that. I can handle those variables. But true purpose is always found on the other side, on the other side of the border of what's in it for me. Purpose is always find, found just over that line in the zone that makes us uncomfortable, where you start to feel anxious. And that's where Jesus says, come on, get out of the boat. Step into the water with me. You know what Jesus called it? He called it the abundant life. The abundant life. That as you give your life away, as you start to release control, you will find more life and a better life. A greater story. And it doesn't make any sense logically, I know. But he says it's really in your best interest not to be so interested in you. Jesus says, trust me, say no to you so you can say yes to something bigger and better than just you. Step out of your comfort zone. Take a risk because it's there you will find the greatest gain. Which brings us back to this pesky question again. What breaks your heart? What breaks your heart? Would you be willing, as we continue in this series, to think about it? And you don't have to do anything yet. I'm not asking you to pack a suitcase and move to Africa, okay? You don't have to sell everything. You don't even have to get baptized or start serving in this church. But would you be willing to start thinking about it? What's the need? What's the challenge? What's an issue that grips your heart? You probably can't change the world alone. Who knows? Maybe with God you can. But probably not. But you certainly, you certainly can change somebody's world. You certainly can do that. What breaks your heart? Because to make the world a better place, you must say no to you so you can say yes to something bigger and better that God has in store for you. Can we pray together, church? Heads bowed, eyes closed. Heavenly Father, God, I know this is going to land in lots of places with a lot of people in the room. We've got middle school students, high school students, college students here with us today. We've got grandparents and great-grandparents here with us today. God, I, I pray that we would all be challenged by this question this year. What breaks our heart? And can we shift the focus off of us onto someone else? God, use us, use our lives to make a difference. God, we want to step out of the smaller story of us into the bigger story of you. So we continue praying this morning. There may be someone here today, and for you, maybe it finally clicked. And you're like, if there's a God like that who truly created me with a purpose, for a purpose, on purpose, there's a God who loves me enough that he is envisioning an incredible story for my life that goes beyond my wildest dreams. That's a God I can follow. 
That's a God I can make first in my life. God, I want to step into that story, that bigger story of you. And so if if that's you this morning, and, and maybe right now, your heart is just pounding in your chest right now. I just want you to know, I believe that is the Holy Spirit of God right now drawing you to Him, letting you know truth, letting you know even though it sounds illogical, it makes complete sense. And so if today you're you're ready to say as an act of faith, I want to move my faith off of myself, what I do and my story, and I want to move that onto Jesus who I believe is the son of God and the greater story that he has for me if that's you this morning would you just as an act of faith just lift a hand and say pastor that's me would you pray for me today I'm ready to make a step of faith I need Jesus in my life because I believe that's the greatest decision you could ever make in your entire life is there anybody here this morning who's ready to take that step Praise God, praise God, praise God, I see that. Praise God, I see that. I don't want to drag it on, I'll just go for another minute here. Is there anybody else? Because I believe this is the greatest decision you could ever make in your entire life. Is there anybody else who would say, yeah, I need a better story. God, I'm in, I'm in. Praise God, praise God. Let me pray with you, and there's nothing magical about these words. This is just you communicating right now what God is speaking in your mind and your heart. Would you pray this? Heavenly Father, thanks for loving me. Thanks for creating me and meeting me right where I'm at. God, I'm not perfect. I'm a work in progress. But today I want to move my faith off of myself and what I've done And I want to move it onto Jesus, my Savior. I believe he's the Son of God. I believe he died willingly on a cross to pay for all my wrongs. He rose again so that I could have a personal relationship with the God of the universe. So that I could be called a prince or a princess, a son or daughter of the King of the universe. God, help me as I turn into a relationship with you today. Help me to know what that looks like as I try to walk with you step by step every day in a new story, a bigger story for the rest of my life. I love you, God. Thanks for loving me. In Jesus' name I pray.